Hello and welcome to the Opinionistics. I'm your host, John Malone. In this episode, I brought on Dr. Joanne to talk about, and just a little trigger warning, this is a reference to war and a bit of other themes that may be distressing to the listeners. I'm not going to go much into detail about exactly what's been said, but I'm telling you now, this story is very, very stressful. So if you're not if you're not able to cope with that, so I suggest you turn away now. But if you're ready to hear this heartbreaking story, ladies and gentlemen, here is the woman at the hour. You or I, uh, we'll just talk. It's just going to be audio. Okay, I I guess I put lipstick on for nothing. It's all right. That's a joke. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm being. I'm being silly. So, uh, tell me, um, I I received very little information about what we're going to be doing today. Okay. So, basically, we're just going to talk about what you do. Okay. uh, What do you like about it? Talk about more about yourself and then just just go with the flow from there. Okay. And you'll ask me questions as well? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Um, So... I'll get started. Um, it's uh, what's your name, sir? Yeah, John May Alone. Okay, that's a great name. So I'm going to just say I'm 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 glad to be on your show, and I'm looking forward to talking to you and to your guests. And um, my name is Joanne Intratour, and I'm a I'm a psychiatrist in New York City, and I am. Uh, publishing a book that I've written um, about uh, an extraordinary experience that I had in Berlin over a nine-year period, you know, um, shortly after the Berlin Wall came down. And I'm going to be publishing that next August. And, uh, you know, and if you're interested, I can tell you a little bit about it and how that all happened. Uh, And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, good. Good. Okay. And uh, basically, I grew up in New York City as a uh, daughter of refugees from Nazi Germany, and uh, grew up um, in, and ultimately became a doctor. And then shortly, at, uh, around the time of my father's death, I found out that there was this building in um, in Berlin. Um, that became known to the family um, uh, after the wall came down. And it was a very, very large manufacturing building um, that had been taken from uh, my grandfather's ownership um, in what's called a forced auction in, um, in 1938. In 1938 was a pivotal year um, uh, for, for Jews. Um, you may know that Kristallnacht happened at the night when the Nazis destroyed all the synagogues and 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 storefronts of Jews. And shortly before that, this building was taken away from my grandfather. Um, and now that the Berlin Wall was down, uh, uh, you know, the uh, it was a, it was. A, a possibility for me to try to see if we could get restitution. Um, 
I'm leaving for a second. Um, can I talk to you? Yeah, you can yeah. talk to me. This is so different than any of the other things that I've done. Usually I've got some interaction with who's interviewing me or I can see them. So I just feel like I'm supposed to just keep talking for the next how many minutes? Um, uh, and I don't even know who you're re who who's going to be watching this um, or listening to it. So I try to find out about about you, but I don't I don't I don't know anything. So I don't know your what your interests are, and I I feel like I'm talking to you know an empty an empty screen here, you know. So um, maybe you can help me out a little bit. Yeah, of course. I, I totally I totally understand that. Yeah, where are you? You've got you have a British a British accent or South African? I can't hear it quite. Yeah. Yeah, I'm British. Uh, I'm from Manchester. Manchester, okay. And um, and and who and who's this podcast for? I I couldn't find you when I googled you. Um, uh, and I I would have liked to know more because I I can I can do this rather well, but by myself here looking at this gray thing here i don't i don't uh i i, I need you to inspire me a little bit <laughs> so yeah basically what what this podcast is about it's basically an it's an open mic kind of like talk show we oh, bring oh. on people from multiple interests share okay. their stories and what they do okay so what you're doing is perfectly fine and in fact you're doing you're actually like in the top Two one percent of guests I've brought on thus far, so you're doing very great, Joanne. Okay, okay, that's what I. I just need to know that that somebody's there, you know. So I'll go back. Um, I'll I'll hit the stay connected now. Okay, should I go back to that? Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, great. Okay. All right. So so there I was after my father died, having learned about this building that was in East Berlin. Um, and meeting a lawyer that was going to help my family get this building back. And then, I, unfortunately, he told us that somebody else was claiming the building, which was totally unexpected. And it turned out to be the people that won the building in the auction in 1938. Um, and the auction occurred because my grandfather could not pay the mortgage. Because you see, by 1933, the Nazis took over and the money for the Jews were uh, taxed exorbitantly uh, for everything. And they had to sell whatever, uh, you know, uh, objects they had to, to survive and to have food. And there was no way my grandfather could pay uh, the mortgage. So we were challenged by the fact that the people that took the building in 38, claimed that my grandfather lost the building because he was a lousy businessman, not, not because he was a Jew, which to me was, I, I, it was almost laughable because the Nazis had been in power for five years. I knew the situation. My father had come to the United States in 1937, having actually given up trying to get his parents to leave. He tried since 1933 to get them to go and finally he left himself. So I knew the, the things that happened to him. I, I saw in my father's files, letters from Nazi banks, uh, written so politely and beautifully, would uh, hair so-and-so, would you so kindly 
uh, give us X number of marks for this particular payment and that. So I saw I saw what was what happened to my grandfather. So when I learned from the lawyer and you know in 1993, this all started it for me in 1993, right after my dad died, and um, I thought it was absolutely absurd. But what I didn't figure was uh, how how crazy the German law was and that I had to actually prove anti-Semitism was the cause of the loss of the building. So I, that was that caught me up short, it, not that I didn't have proof, but that I was up against a kind of bureaucracy, a faceless bureaucracy, throwing roadblocks at me. And then I, I kind of imagined at the time I was in my 40s and what if I was an actual refugee who was like 70, you know, or 80, what would they do if they would, would they fight for their building? They were, would they go back to Germany to do this? Probably not too upsetting, too strenuous, too costly, but I was of the ideal age. I, I, I had a, I, I had an income. I, I worked a, as a psychiatrist at the, a veterans hospital in the Bronx. And I, I was on the teaching staff of Mount Sinai uh, uh, Hospital in New York City in Manhattan. I had a child, I had a husband who also brought an income in and the, he and I decided together that I should do this. I should, I should stand up and fight for this building. Um, I was re receiving all this pressure to negotiate with the people that took the building. And I said, there's no way I'm negotiating with anybody that took the building in the fall of 1938 because anybody that would get a building of this magnitude, it was a very large building, um, uh, they had to have Nazi connections if they or they were Nazis themselves. I'm not negotiating with their with their descendants. Um, and he's he, he he the lawyer was like he wasn't quite insistent, but he. For the years that I traveled back and forth for nine years, it, it took. Uh, 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 he kept making the same point, um, and interestingly enough, the value of the building deteriorated because I held everything up. There were other family members involved in this, um, and you should know that this building was at the time worth, you know. I don't know, maybe $10 million, 12 million US dollars. Um, by the time it was over, uh, it was, uh, I, but when it began, it was maybe more like 20 or 30 million. By the time the whole thing was over, it was down to 8 million. And my percentage was 3.15%. Um, so I, 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 I think it's very important to make that point because uh, I, stayed involved, intensely involved with numerous trips back and forth to Berlin uh, at the emotional and financial cost to me and to my husband and child to find out what the hell is going on. Why am I being pressured like this? You know, um, why should I have to give money to people that took the building in 1938? And by the way, who are these people? Why don't I know anything about them? And I kept getting, you know, uh, doors closed on me or people shrugging their shoulders and saying, we have no information on this and this is what you, what you have to do. And 
uh, ultimately, uh, at one meeting in 1995, I was at the lawyer's office, um, and he, he said to me, um, by the way, um, there's a rumor that the Nazi flag was made in the building. I, and I, you know, I sort of, my eyes lit up. I said, well, now we have it. You know, this building was taken over by Nazis. Who gets to make Nazi flags unless you're a Nazi? And, and he says, oh, no, this is just a rumor. We don't know anything like this. And, uh, you know, it was, that, it was that kind of thing. Nothing built up into any progress. Um, and I was really on my own. Um, and, uh, you know, I kept rethinking this. Do I want to spend all this time and money? Um, my son actually said to me, Mommy, I think he must have been about nine then. He said, Mommy, do I have to go to Berlin when you die? You know, that, that, that was how much it was part of my life, you know. And that was a very disturbing thing. And I, I, to hear from him that he was that concerned that this was so important. And if I didn't accomplish this job, it would be up to him as an only child. And I said, no, no, Ben, I'm taking care of this. Don't you worry. And uh, what, ha what happened next, but eventually I hired a investigator, um, a sort of a world-class investigator who happily was American, who, who uh, was working in Germany. And I was actually really happy to work with an American who kind of understood my point of view and, uh, and, and said something like, uh, you know, I've, I've been waiting for a case like this my whole professional life, you know, and he got going on the case very quickly. And within weeks, I knew that the people that were, that had taken the building uh, were Nazis. He found their Nazi party membership. And I don't know how much longer he found out, but then he found out that, yes, it's true that the Nazi flags were made in your building. Every Nazi, every major event that you see on newsreels, you know, um, that take place in Berlin were definitely from <laughs> manufactured in in the building. And and then worse, worse yet, towards the very end, when I finally agreed at the advice of an American lawyer to negotiate to some degree, because some of the relatives were very old and they needed the money and um, I certainly wasn't going to split uh, the proceeds 50-50, uh, but I did agree at 12.5% um, just to get out of not going back to Berlin as, and, and sort of to save myself as well. And, um, and just as I had signed those papers, my detective, my investigators, Louis Wonderly said, um, Joanne, you've got to sit down for this one. He said, um, you, you need to understand that not only were the Nazi flags made in the building, but there was an order given in, Jan in September of 1941 that one million Jewish patches get fabricated in a building that will be placed on the Jews in Germany so they'd be identified. And of course that meant being identified meant being sent east the euphemism for going to the concentration camps. And that really, really upset me. I, I feel if I, if I didn't have any relatives to worry about, 
um, or I, if, if I was not concerned about this impact that it was having on my immediate family, I would have never, ever uh, negotiated. I would have said, screw this. I'm in this thing and, and they're not going to they're not going to get a penny. So that that's the story of, of the case, which has occupied a great deal of my life. And um, and I uh, in that period of nine years, I learned an enormous amount about my family because I discovered, you know, my father had a real trove of letters from various relatives um, that stayed in touch with him until they were murdered, basically. Um, and uh, I got to know these family members, you know, through their letters. And some of the letters are in the Jewish Museum in Berlin. And I wrote about them in my book as well, you know. Um, and so the book is kind of a triumph in some ways because um, growing up in a German household, whether you're Jewish or not, the Germans are very, um, and I apologize to any readers, any listeners that are German, uh, and uh, but it's very strict and very authoritarian, at least it was in, in my day growing up. I'm sure it's lightened up quite a bit, but I was very scared of the Germans. I mean, obviously I was terrified of Nazis and grew up with lots of refugees around me and people that had markings on their body from the concentration camp, you know, on their arm. And um, so uh, th this, this took a, a great deal out of me. So it was a triumph of myself. My, my father, when he was dying and starting to tell me that I was going to take this case over, his last words were to me were, are you tough enough yet? And do they know who you are? And, you know, I'm there in a hospital bed and I think he's in a coma and he sits up and asks me these questions. And basically he was asking whether I was going to be tough enough to be able to do this. And so it was a personal victory because it was scary. You know, it was the wall had just come down. East, East Berlin still had uh, had uh, had, you know, uh, rubble from the from the bombings. There were certain streets you couldn't walk on, um, and uh, it was uh, it it was it was not it was not the way it looks right now. I mean, it got better each year that I went. It got more and more, um, you know, repaired and you know, twentieth century, twenty first century. Uh, so it was a, a scary thing for me, and it was also scary for me to stand up to these very distinguished German lawyers. And at one point, I had to. I had to face these judges um, who uh, were critical of my grandfather. They went along the lines. He must have been a lousy businessman. And I actually took a, you'll, you'll like this. I actually took a camera out of my pocket and photographed the judge <laughs> to everyone's surprise and said, I'm going to show my relatives in the United States what you look like the way you're talking about my grandfather. And that caused a lot of uh, upset <laughs> for everybody. Uh, so I feel very good about how I handled, how I grew into this and got my courage. Um, and, uh, and, and what was more important to me, obviously, than money, because the money barely paid for my expenses over the period of time, um, you know, was that I found out the truth, you know, that the, the, the it, these people had 
they had actually, these people that were fighting me, actually, uh, they had um, been in the building since 1931 as, as already as Nazis, um, waiting for things to fall apart for my grandfather and then pouncing on him. I found all this out. No one told me any of this. Everybody said they didn't know any of this. I don't, I, I don't know what to believe. Um, I'm not ready to call anybody a liar, but uh, you know, this was East Berlin and East Berlin was under the communists. You know, they first they had the Nazis and then the communists. So it was a very disorganized place. And it was very, uh, very much, uh, you know, bureaucratic. So I can understand that information wasn't easy to find, but eventually I found out what I needed to know. So uh, it's one of those things that, you know, if I had to do over again, I would do it over again, just be, for my own personal growth and for finding out about the truth and leaving the proper legacy for my son. You know, this is what you do when you're scared. You, you're scared, but you grow courage at the same time. That's what you do. So I was scared and I was courageous at the same time and got it done. So that, that's kind of how I am in general. Um, so, uh, in the, and, and, and actually I'm going back to Berlin and I've been going back a number of times. I, I had the opportunity to lay what's called uh, a Silberstein down from, for the relatives that um, had died, which are little stones in front of where they lived. And I've given several talks at museums in Berlin and here in New York. And, um, uh, and I'm, they've invited me to come October 21st and talk in Berlin about, about the, what happened. And um, so I'm excited about that. And, and I do, I, you know, I, I'm uh, excited about the book being published next August. And so, and going on book tours and meeting people, and I'm, 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 I'm very, I feel very grateful that I've was given this chance by my dad and, and lived up to his wish for me to be strong enough to do it. And apart from that, I am a psychiatrist and I see patients and I love my work. So I'm a very blessed person. I have a great career and uh, a wonderful son who's now a a doctor himself and uh you know so that's about what i can say about the case and i might have other things i could share with you but maybe you can give me a hint or two of what else you think your your guests would be interested in knowing about i think you i think you said i think you said more than enough about about your entire situation the case yes yes yeah Especially the whole going back to Berlin thing—that that that was terrifying. I, I would not—I would not have imagined that. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah. Who would, uh, who would have who would have thought such a thing? Honestly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, I can appreciate that. I really can. Um. Uh. It was very very hard for me. I had nightmares, terrible nightmares. Um. And what would come to me, though, was my father's last words, you know. And so I felt that I had to follow through. And uh, the lawyer in the United States 
really helped me out by help, helping me negotiate a face-saving position to get out of it because he was worried that it was going to damage me if I stayed much longer doing this. So giving these people 12 and a half percent, it didn't mean that much to me financially because I'd already spent the money <laughs> going back and forth. So, so uh, and, you know, I thought a lot about you know, our world is so uh, kind of wide open right now. Um, we're so aware of what happens in different countries and uh, under different regimes. And uh, I understand fear, you know, um, my own fears. And I understand like the, I have a little bit of empathy for the Germans actually, which I didn't have. Um, you know, uh, I was a history major and, um, I, I, I didn't a lot. Of, we, we keep forgetting about World War One, you know, how devastating that was, how devastating for England and France and Belgium and and Russia and Germany and Italy. Um, but the Germans were left with this enormous bill at the Versailles Treaty, which uh, decimated them and really set them up, decimated them financially. They lost everything. Uh, you know, um, it was a very harsh treaty, I think. Um, and I think it set the stage for a, uh, a, a authoritarian, you know, type of person like Hitler to say, I'm going to save you guys and make you feel better. And, and uh, we're going to get back on our feet. And he did it in a horrendous way. Um, but uh, when people are afraid, uh, uh, they're vulnerable and you know we have that going on right now in in the world you know um I'm sure the russians are very frightened of what putin can do um as the rest of us are and uh you know um so it's given me a broader perspective on history and current events um which i think is important yeah i absolutely agree yeah well thank you thank you so much joanne for coming on here and sharing your story you're welcome you're welcome. And I look forward to uh, talking to you again sometime, maybe when I when the book actually comes out, you know, we'll have another chat if it works for you. Yeah, of course. That would be nice. All right. Thank you for your time. Yeah, and yours too. Okay. All the very best to you.